The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. to another episode of the Flyers Talk Podcast. As always, Jordan Hall and Katie Emmer with you today for this Thursday, July 9th edition. Already July, Jordan. I keep saying this. Time is flying, but fortunately, hockey is in the near future going to be coming back. We, speaking of that, have a lot of news to break down. We're hearing what's going to be happening as far as maybe this tentative schedule in the two hub cities. Um, We're going to break down some of the team awards that we've heard so far and just, as always, have a whole ton of fun on this episode. Jordan, first and foremost, uh, let's just get right into it. Scott Lawton was named the most improved teammate. What do you think? Katie, I liked it. Um, And I thought it was neat that that was maybe one of the more unpredictable awards uh, among the Flyers team awards. We had some fun among our staff at NBC Sports Philadelphia trying to predict that award. Um, a little while ago when the, the pulse first happened, we did a fun series predicting the team awards. And I think we all had trouble kind of finding our exact pick. Uh, I think Scott Lawton is very deserving. I think he's been one of their most consistent forwards over the last two years. Um, he played 33 fewer games than last season, and he still broke his career high in goals um, with 13. He's gotten better and better. Um, he does all the little things for them, and now he's starting to produce offensively too. So. I thought he was very deserving. Katie, what did you think? Did you have anyone else kind of on your radar for that pick? Absolutely not. Uh, this is a player, too, and you said we, we were, like, struggling to figure out what, who to name for this award just when we were having fun and, and, you know, poking at the possibilities. When I saw this was, uh, you know, labeled as Lawton, of course, deservingly so. And you have to love, too, this is voted on by your teammates, so his teammates agree, too. But you talked about in 49 games, right? Like, so many games short of even last year when he did have – a quite an impact, but I would say this is his best season by far. Uh, The goals uh, wise, but also the astounding plus 13. Mm -hmm. How do you come by anything? He, that is the career high, hasn't had anything in comparison to that. Um, And away from the numbers, Jordan, the versatility with this guy this season, you could move him anywhere, any injury, anything going on. He can play center. He can play wing. He can move up and down your lineup. Um, Talk about just being such a key player specifically for the depth, but Overall, among the forwards, this is a player that I think, again, is deservingly uh, deserves this award, uh, the Pelly Lindbergh. Um, and seeing that, you know, be announced, it wasn't too much of a surprise. Like you were just leaning back and you're like, of course, I don't I don't know if there is any other player. But at the same time, it is fun to think like who maybe could have been another possibility, Jordan. For me, the first name that comes to mind right after Scott Lawton would be Travis Konechny. I mean, how do you how do you deny anything of, of his ability, what he's been able to do just points-wise, his production, the plays he was making with the puck, uh, the confident plays he was making with the puck, and also on the power play, like completely improving the numbers there on the man advantage. Um, I may have taken your guy, uh, but who do you think would have been the next man up after Lawton for the most improved? 
No, that's okay, Katie. You can't go wrong with Travis Konecki. Like you said, he was setting career highs across the board. He tied his career high in goals and obviously would have broken that if the season finished uh, as uh, it normally would have uh, made such a big jump, especially after signing that contract. So uh, major improvements there from a player that's only 23 years old. A few guys that come to mind too outside of that, Katie, I thought maybe Robert Haig. I thought he had a really good season uh, with people not expecting much. Uh, he probably, I would say, probably had his best season as an NHLer. Um, did a lot of good things. Uh, I, a guy that was really kind of pinned as like a seventh defenseman for them ended up playing a lot of games and was just a really positive uh, for them on the blue line when they dealt with some injuries. Um, and it's a shame. It would have been really cool to see Oscar Lindblom uh, be able to kind of finish his season. Obviously, the unfortunate and stunning diagnosis of cancer for him in mid-December. Uh, but he was projected to – when he went down with his diagnosis, Katie, he was on pace to finish with 30 goals. Um, like, that is awfully impressive, a 30-goal guy. I would not have pinned Oscar Lindblom as a 30-goal scorer this early in his career. Um, so I think he would have been a candidate or even maybe a front runner uh, if he was able to continue playing. Uh, but great news to see that uh, he rung that bell last week uh, to signify the end of his treatments for cancer. Uh, so such positive news around him, but he was another guy, Katie, that, uh, I, I thought could have gotten most improved. Katie, maybe another right. person that we're even thinking of, uh, or not thinking of, but a guy that certainly probably warrants some attention for it, I think would be Carter Hart too. First full season in the NHL. Obviously it was abbreviated, but was absolutely dominated at home. Only had a few hiccups here and there, but at 21, I thought, um, he, even coming off a really good rookie season. Uh, in which when he was called up, I thought he did a lot of positive things to improve as well. Uh, and, it, and it had us kind of talking about the playoffs and the expect, expectations for him. Our own uh, Flyers pre- and post-game live producer, Joe Fordyce, wrote a great article on Hart about how his first two seasons have been really abnormal. And as a result, his third season is going to be pretty abnormal when you think about it. Next year, it's going to be condensed. Uh, they, they hope to play the season in full. But it's going to be a different year in terms of start time and less time off. Uh, so really, uh, he is growing up uh, quickly, kind of being uh, baptized by fire here. Um, but it's only going to help him, as Joe Fordyce wrote. Go check that article out. But Katie, in, in a seven-game series with his age, with the circumstances uh, in this format, how short of a leash would you have on him, Katie? Say he struggles a bit. Do you think Elaine Vigneault will be quick to kind of take him out and go to Brian Elliott? Do you think he's going to trust Carter Hart? What, how do you think that could play out? What would be your leash for him? It's so hard to, to guess that. I mean, we don't even know when this is going to happen. Like, we have an idea of dates here. They're all tentative. We don't even really know, though, when things are going to happen. So that being said, it's hard for me to predict, like, who is going to be the next man up. But I would think – by what we've seen, if you're going off of the trends of the regular season, and don't get me wrong, everyone, I know playoffs are a different animal, um, but you have a guy in his first season, of course, it, or first full season, it wasn't even a full season, but your first uh, playoff experience to a young goaltender that um, I feel like the trends throughout that regular season would be to just keep him in it and find it until it works. Like, he's got to get his confidence in there. Um, like how late are you in the series? Like, is that going to matter? And things like that, that I think that's the reason why I'm saying I, I you couldn't even know what's going to be happening. If I was the head coaching staff, if I was making a decision though, 
I just feel that you leave him in, he builds that confidence and he'll never let you down in that way, in that manner. Um, and we know how mature he is. Gosh, I've used that word so many times. Like I honestly, I would love accounting radar and how many times I've used the word mature when describing Carter Hart, especially at his age, we had Brian Boucher on to say the same thing. Like you, you really haven't seen anything like it as far as the talent, the personality and just the way he holds himself, this, this player. So if that's going to translate from the regular season into the playoffs, I, I think you leave him in. I think you, you leave him in, he finds his confidence and you keep him rocking. But how great is it though, Jordan, to know that you have Brian Elliott there if need be, if there is the worst case scenario, um, you have another strong and reliable goaltender and you have a tandem too that you can lean on, but we know they don't want to do that in the playoffs. Yeah, Katie, it's really nice that we're not even like, debating this ad nauseum whereas other teams uh and people that cover those teams are probably talking a lot more about kind of goalie dilemmas and controversies because obviously a lot of teams going into this uh have way more difficult decisions uh in their goalie position uh than the flyers do the flyers is pretty clear cut carter hart's your number one and brian elliott's a really really solid number two uh so that's nice that's a huge benefit finally for the flyers no goalie controversy good to hear um, but it really is a difficult question. As you said, it, it really is. I think we gave ourselves a really tough thing to talk about. Um, for me, I'm not totally sure either, but I, I do kind of go back to when early in the season, I believe it was October, and Hart definitely went through a mini funk where he had like back-to-back, -back, or I think it was like three straight starts where he really couldn't get himself right. And then Brian Elliott came in uh, in timely fashion and really kind of cleaned things up. It gave Hart a little bit of a mental break. Hart comes back, and he's himself again. Uh, so that's a great luxury to have. And it does have me thinking, if Hart does have maybe back-to-back -back clunkers where he's just – I'm talking really off his game. Not just so-so, but, like, really off his game. That's a time maybe when I would go to Elliott. Let Brian Elliott, a guy with experience, postseason experience, um, plenty of years under his belt, who can kind of go in there, kind of settle the ship a little bit. And then it gives Hart a little bit of a mental break where – I do believe as mature as he is and as strong as he is mentally, he cares so much that when he does struggle, it wears on him a little bit because maybe he starts thinking a little bit too much. He's, he's, he just really is his harshest critic. So I think that's a blessing and a curse because it's great that he cares and it's great that he's focused, but sometimes when he does struggle, um, you know, it hurts his confidence a little bit because he, he cares. Uh, so yeah. maybe at the time, you know, if he, if he really hits a serious wall and the Flyers are in a bit of a hole and they really need to kind of salvage this thing, maybe you go to Elliott, see how things go, and then you can go back to Carter and give him a break. But um, yeah. I think Elaine Vigneault and the Flyers have all the reason to trust this kid. Um, I wouldn't, you know, uh, go into panic if he has one bad game. I think he can be trusted for multiple games and to bounce back. Right. And it all matters too, just like, like you said, the severity, like if it really is a bad game and that's why I think both of us started by saying, you have no idea uh, what could happen. Even fans, you don't know. Um, but yeah, that being said, uh, I'll emphasize it again, this tandem, you mentioned it again, you have Elliot there, the coaching staff, like they know that you have such a strong goalie tandem. And again, thank the heavens above that the goalie tandem, the goalie situation is strong for the flyers because that's all that we really care about. But no, you know, in all seriousness, too, looking ahead in the future, specifically for Carter Hart, you mentioned Joe Fordyce's article, and I pulled a, a quick quote from that, too, that I just felt really summed it up because we have mentioned this before. So the quote is, 
Hart will have experience coming up in the middle of a season. If everything happens the way it's supposed to here um, in playoffs do start up though, you know, the way we're all crossing our fingers that they will. Um, but Hart will have experience coming up in the middle of a season, having the weight of a franchise on his back, getting injured and dealing with a season interrupted by a pandemic followed by a condensed season all before the age of 24 kids grow up fast. And in Hart's case, he's being forced to do so. And thus far he hasn't missed a beat. I, I loved that quote because, um, we, we have mentioned this, like the fact that you have to look at this as such a good thing. Like, yeah, when we're talking playoffs right now, what's going to happen? We don't know. We have nothing to go off of. He has no playoff experience. But when you look at the longevity, uh, longevity of this young goaltender and just what he's going to be able to accomplish in his career, um, that's already happened in the first couple years. Uh, I, I think you have to really be positive about this. Like he is looking at so much adversity. Um, he's battling through it at such a young age um, in such a quick amount of time. I just feel like that's really going to pay off for, for you in the long run. I think so too. And it really was great detail by Joe Fordyce. Uh, Cause when you look into it, um, it's insane kind of what Hart's been through already. You think last year he was called up on the day that uh, Dave Hackstall was fired as head coach of the Flyers. So not only is he called up um, midway through a season in his first year as, pro, as a pro hockey player, but it was during some difficult times for the Flyers. They were making a major shift um, in the front office and a head coach. Uh, the team was not playing well. So here's this kid, 20 years old, called up during all of that. Uh, so he called up mid-year, called up during uh, the, t the time when the team was really going through a serious change. Then <laughs> this season starts off well, goes through kind of a, a rough patch. Then he, he gets hurt this year for a little bit. He also got hurt last year. Um, he has a new coach this year. Then there's the pandemic. And then next season is going to be – absolutely completely different it's gonna you know we think it might start in december uh the breaks are going to be shortened and condensed um everything is totally different that's three serious serious seasons for this kid right. um, like you said all before the age of 24 um but maybe this will be a true blessing in disguise uh that uh he has gone through some serious adversity so when he's um you know 25 years old and things are hopefully normal again um he'll be even better so yeah uh, great and look, like I know, I know fans too. Like they want the the wins, right? Like you, you can see that he's a successful goalie, and this stuff uh, doesn't really show itself on a score sheet. What he's been going through and what he has to battle through, but you would love to see the wins. And Jordan, hopefully, that starts, um, you know, right now coming up here in this 2014 playoff format. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. With that, too, uh, this is exciting. We're, we're seeing the reports. Six hockey games a day, Jordan. How does that feel? No hockey at all. No hockey at all. But welcome back to the league. We're going to throw six games a day at you. Um, I feel like this is a really good thing. You think three games a day in each hub city. And then, you know, thinking, too, on Twitter, I was seeing, like, of course, it, it may be Edmonton, Toronto. You know, not really confirmed, but those are the solid hub cities we've been seeing talks about. Um and then you're going to have just back-to-back -back hockey all day long. Back, no, wait, back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back hockey all day long. Yeah. Isn't this just like what every hockey fan could ever hope for in a playoff scenario? Katie, I honestly thought of you when I saw that because <laughs> for those listening uh, in our newsroom, uh, Katie sits across from me at our desk, and Katie always, 24-7, has NHL Network on. 
it's like amazing. Like obviously everyone, you know, we love hockey, but we always, maybe sometimes, you know, switch the channel, we'll put, you know, a different game on or a different sport. Katie always had NHL network. Like she was always watching some type of game and talking about it. So I thought of you, Katie, when I was thinking like games from noon Eastern time, essentially to probably ending around midnight Eastern time. Like that's, that's you. You're going to have that that's those games gone and then you're going to go to the next game and then the next game. But it really is. I find, a, it, I find no. it therapeutic, Jordan. I'm sure it's the same yeah. as you just hearing. Like I, even if I'm typing at my desk, you hear a game on and it's like, it's like a therapy. And so I would yeah. think that's the same for you. You're another hockey fan and any hockey yes. fan, you get that therapy, like you said, from 12 noon to 12 PM Eastern. Like, is it any better than that? No. And you think about it too. Uh, come say the tournament starts, uh, I know they've targeted August 1 or maybe July 30th or July 31st. Come that time, I believe it'll be around 100, it will be around 140 days since the last NHL game was played. And then you will go from that to six games in a day. And not only six games, but it would be competitive, like, you know, literally playoff hockey. Uh, that's right. Man, like, I think fans would just be uh, in absolute heaven with this. Um, and you think about it from a gambling standpoint, too, from fans that love to bet. Uh, gosh, you could be, you know, betting on hockey from noon until midnight. Uh, it'll be really fun. I think it was fun for us to see that report. Um, I know it's still being finalized and still kind of needs to be signed off on, but um, it's a great way to get all the games in. Uh, you have two hub cities. You might as well take advantage of it. Instead of spacing it out, you might as well have games played in both cities on the same day. I think that's awesome. You know, It'll be fun. You know what, too? It's Growing up in Minnesota, the state hockey tournament, I mean, a lot of yeah. people know it's, it's huge. So many people come out for the championship game. This is a good old state hockey tournament. Well, it's on a little bit higher of a, of a you know, level here, of course, with different money involved and, and different amounts, and it's different competition. But the love of the game right here, you got a, a state hockey tournament in your own vicinity in a way, uh, in that vicinity being your living room. Um, but it's pretty nice. Like, how could you ever? Anyway, I, and again, we're always excited about the, these reports, Jordan. But the hardest thing is, is like, you get excited about it, but everything is so tentative. Like, hopefully, hopefully this date it'll happen and this and that's so, of course, expected. Like, it's not anything on the NHL or the NHLPA or any of the planning committees. It's just the time we're in. Like, you can't plan on it, but you are looking at a certain window. And I think the thought of this is just the most exciting part. But you just – you have to keep crossing your fingers. Yeah, it does seem like nothing is ever really, like, etched in stone. And that's okay. Like you said, these are the times we're in. Uh, it's good to have kind of like a target date. Uh, but it's, 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 I think it's okay to get excited about it. And I think it's okay to also say, hey, let's cross our fingers. Uh, we don't know for sure, but it really is the funny to think when you mentioned the state, you know, these hockey tournaments at, you know, at like the high school or prep levels. Um, it, like I just imagined like the flyers kind of in the tunnel in their gear, like just kind of leaning on their <laughs> sticks and waiting for the capitals to come off the ice and be like, what's up guys? Like, yeah, we, you know, we got the next game. Like, it's just right. kind of funny to really think of like these NHL players making millions of dollars kind of in that setting again uh they're probably it's like an all-star game in a way except obviously right. more competitive and it's just like really on the line like nitty-gritty but I, that is so funny to think about like good game guys we'll see you next time right exactly and and it really um right now katie there's been a lot of talk about that obviously uh the schedule and how many hockey games there will be in a day 
Uh, and there's also been a lot of talk about the whole bubble talk. We see it across, obviously, different sports with basketball. There's a lot of talk about the bubble and, and Disney. And um, obviously, with hockey, there's going to be a very similar situation in terms of a bubble, uh, obviously, with these guys kind of being self-isolated uh, and everything. Um, we've asked a number of players um, just what that's going to be like. Uh, they're, they're all taking it in stride and talking about, you know, they'll bring probably some video game systems and cars and they'll do things to stay busy. A lot of them actually sound kind of excited about it. Uh, whenever we talk to them about going on like a long road trip, they all get excited. They're like, hey, it's actually a really good time because it's just like you and the team and you do everything together and you just kind of bond that way. Um, so we were thinking which flyer, and there's a lot of candidates here, but which flyer do you think is going to have the most fun in this bubble situation? Most fun being just loving being around the guys. There's certain guys I think that need a break from their teammates. And there's certain guys that literally cannot or do not want to get away from him. Which guy do you think that's going to be? This is Jake Voracek's dream. Like, <laughs> he is going to find all of the best places to find food, all yeah. the best places to hang, and he is going to be the entertainer. He honestly, quite frankly, I don't even know if they can, like, interact yet with the other teams, but I would just see Jake Voracek is just leading the way for everybody. Like, yeah, come on in. Like, what Columbus, like everybody else, you can all, Washington, we'll show you where the best food is. Like, right. <laughs> he'll get it all figured out in the first two days. And yeah. I just find Jake Voracek being like, this is his dream. Like, he, I don't know. But it is fun to think about, like, especially with them in the Czech Republic. Like, of course, his home country, he knows all the good spots. But I just feel like he takes pride in that. Like, he takes pride in knowing where the good food is. And especially in Philly, I, I believe he's mentioned that before. So, yeah. I, you know, who's to say he wouldn't be a good little entertainer here uh, in the bubble cities uh, and, and just, you know, hanging out with the boys. But another, like another person, of course, you could think is Kevin Hayes. Like, just talk about for the boys kind of guy. Like, both of them, you know, that is plain and simple. Like, I could see them enjoying this no matter what um, Kevin Hayes again. But I would have to go with Jake Voracek for sure. For sure. For sure. I like it. And yeah, I was thinking Kevin Hayes. I really was. Kevin Hayes, I think, was having, <laughs> I think that guy was having so much fun in his first season in Philly. And then just kind of abruptly gets put to a halt. And just the other day, he spoke with uh, the Flyers' senior director of communications and PR, Zach Hill. And he admitted, he was like, yeah, quarantine's been tough. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, it's been tough, I, I'm sure, on everyone. Uh, kind of being isolated and away from people. Uh, I think he has really missed being away from the team. And he really seems like he's like the ringleader and just and keeping people together, joking all right. the time, including everyone. I think Kevin Hayes is going to be really excited just to be around his teammates, calling everyone their nickname, making sure everyone's fun and loose. So I'm going to go Kevin Hayes, but I think – Who's the uh, backup? Who would you think is the next man up to have enough? Because I gave, I gave two. I took one of your players. But, I mean, I, I even think, Jordan, like who would be like a young guy that you could just see just having the time of his life? I'll say Travis Konechny, too, because I know there's been jokes okay. among his teammates that Konechny just never stops talking. So I know that's been, like, a running joke between his, his teammates. They've all said that, they're like, yeah, TK, just, he doesn't stop. Um, so I can see I that. I wonder if Tiki cool. Bar will find a Tiki Bar. Yeah, that's a good question. Seriously. You never know. You never know. <laughs> um, so I can see him enjoying being around the boys, both old and young. Joel Farabee's another one comes to mind. I think Farabee's kind of yeah. been – at home, I believe, with his parents, I think in upstate New York. Um, and I think he has joked on Twitter numerous times that he misses the boys and he's kind of just playing video games and staying fit. So I could see him, you know, he's like a kind of like a hockey, 
you know, a hockey nut, a rink rat. I think he could enjoy just playing hockey and being around his buds. I don't think he needs to like go outside or anything. So Farabee's another one for me. Yeah. Overall, like, you know, firstly, the the most important thing is being safe. The league's going to have that, but I would think too, that they want these guys to have fun. They want to keep it a a good, you know, atmosphere and a entertaining atmosphere for that too. Um, So no matter what, I would love to just be like, be able to see what they're, what they get to enjoy or, or yeah. maybe that. So hopefully we could get like a glimpse into it, but we will certainly keep that updated. Um, yeah. but those fans out there, of course, as I've mentioned, everything is up in the air, but that'd be cool. Maybe we could get, uh, get some insight on that. But, you know, lastly, before we go, just with all these different talks about the 2014 playoff format and the different hub cities, there's also a lot of talks about different players that, um, prospects for that, uh, that might be signing and different things going on. Cause there is a lot of, you know, moving parts still happening, even though the season is on pause, uh, still, or, or the, we're, we're awaiting playoffs. See, I'm trying to figure out the right terms. Regular season's wrapped up. We're awaiting playoffs, nice. but yeah, still a lot of moving parts. And, and Jordan, this is a player, Wyatt Kalanuck. We've talked a lot about, we, we were mentioning him even last week, I believe, if he's going to sign with the Flyers or not. And, it, you know, we were thinking this could happen. What were the good things? What what were we feeling if he did? But then maybe the hints that he wasn't, how, how would we feel if he wasn't? So with that, the news is coming out. There are reports he's going to be signing with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, for me, when I initially saw this, we were honing in on the fact that this player is going to do what's best for him. This is such an offensive-minded defenseman that's obviously so talented, um, you know, at his level. Um, he's the captain, uh, he was the captain with the Badgers, sat out his senior year. He wants to get into the league. He's hungry now. He's ready to go. Um, and he's going to have a quick transition to the NHL. He was just figuring what path would be best. And we were hoping it'd be with the Flyers, but now we're seeing it might be with the Blackhawks, different things. Uh, Duncan Keith, of course, is a great one to learn from. Um, Chicago is a team that we know their their history. We don't need to get into Patrick Kane right now. No, I'm kidding. But they are a, a winning team in their history. But I, I feel like the last couple seasons, they've kind of not really had that spark anymore. Maybe he's just thinking this is the quickest way and he wants to be on the rise, quickest way to get into the NHL. And he wants to be on the rise if and when that's going to happen with the Hawks. What do you think? Yeah, it's a great point. I think there are so many factors that probably went into it. And that's one of them. I think he probably saw – a pretty clear path where he can maybe make an impact. And maybe that's what the Blackhawks told him uh, in negotiations. Maybe they said, hey, we really think uh, you could get here and make an impact early on. Uh, I'm sure that was something that was intriguing to him. Yeah, he probably saw Duncan Keith and the history of that organization and probably thought, hey, I, like, this is a, a situation that really suits me well. Um, I'm sure the decision wasn't easy. I'm sure he did not want to part ways with the Flyers. I'm pretty sure like he probably wouldn't have minded signing with – uh, with the Flyers, but um, good for him. He was a seventh-round pick who really developed, worked hard at his game in college at Wisconsin, and he gave himself options, and that's like kudos to him. I was disappointed to see it because um, for, from a Flyers standpoint, you're thinking, man, like when you draft a seventh-rounder, you, like you're hoping to kind of hit on a gem. Like, you, you, know, you, you know a lot of those low-round picks might not pan out, and when you see one kind of pan out, and, you know, kind of grow into a potential NHL player, it hurts to see them go. So from a Flyers aspect, it kind of sucked. You were like, man, you know, this kid you was like, a- Yeah, you believed in him from the start. Like, hey, excuse me, like, we're the ones who saw this worth, and now I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, and for, for a lot of people that are like, well, you know, the Flyers, like uh, Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair didn't draft him. Well, the, 
the Flyers scouting department uh, is still intact. So the people, the scouts that really found him and then the development coaches that worked with him, they're still here. So those guys that had a, a relationship with him going back to 2017 when he was drafted, uh, that's still intact. So, yeah, while it's not the same GM and assistant GM or, or director of player development that scouted him, um, the Flyers still have a ton of staffers here uh, that have worked with him. So, yeah, I think it definitely kind of stinks for them to know they kind of let one get away. Um, nothing, you know, no fault to them. It's nothing they can do. It's just how hockey works sometimes. So, yeah, tough situation for the Flyers. Good for Wyatt Kalyanuk, who's a seven-round pick, and build his way into a future NHLer. But the good thing is, Katie, what maybe made the decision a little easier for Kalanuk to not come to the Flyers was the Flyers have a lot of depth at his position. Uh, if you think about it, already in the NHL at the Flyers, you have Robert Haig, Mark Friedman, Philip Myers, Travis Sanheim, and Ivan Provorov. They're all 25 years old or younger. So pretty, a lot of youth there on the blue line already. And then you factor in Igor Zamula, a prospect that's considered a top 50 prospect in the NHL. He's turning pro this year. You have Wyatt Wiley, another defenseman, turning pro this year. Uh, you have Linus Hogberg, another defenseman, turning pro this year. Um, and then like, you even think of Cam York, who was the team's first-round pick last year, who is going to be a sophomore at Michigan, and there's a good chance he will turn pro next year. So long story short, they have a lot of guys on the blue line in the system and then already with the Flyers. Uh, so good depth there. So if there's anything that is kind of a um, silver lining to the Flyers losing Wyatt Kalyanuk is that they have a lot of guys already. Um, if we had to think of one defenseman prospect, that maybe this helps him a little bit. Maybe Kalyanuk is one less guy in the picture. Um, if you think it helps anyone the most, Katie, if you had to pick, who would it be? Well, the first one that came, uh, came to mind originally is Igor Zamula. I mean, a player that, like you mentioned, turning pro – um, we know how uh, talented Wyatt Kalanick was. We've, and I mentioned, too, that he's offensive-minded. Uh, he's a defenseman, but he's, um, he knows how to put up points. He did that with uh, Wisconsin. Um, his vision of the ice and also his intelligence, like the, the smarts, too, have to be there, especially at the blue line. Like you want to be able to trust those kind of players. But I feel like uh, Igor has the same sort of talent level. He's a taller player, 6'4", I believe. Um, he has a long reach at the blue line, and this might be a good chance for him. Uh, who knows where he's going to end up getting into the league. But i that's the first player that comes to mind. I think you're competing with uh, Kalanuk for that same spot. But for Zamula, um, you know, he'll be there. He's As you mentioned, too, another thing to always focus on for me are the positives. You said the silver lining. How could you forget the, the impact the defensive group made this season? And then you're looking, too, in Lehigh, the, the talent there. But just overall, such a strong defensive team that hopefully you will see continue in the coming uh, seasons. But um, I think it all starts from the top down, the, the coaching staff, and especially Coach Mike Yo, what he's been able to do. Um, but Zamula, for sure, uh, would be that, that player that I could see that this benefits the most. I like that pick with Zamula because you think about it, um, Zamula is probably the most hyped of those defensive prospects, I would say, right now, especially given he's turning pro. Um, there's a lot to like, like you said, with his size, his skill. And there are a lot of similarities with Wyatt Kalanuk in terms of they're both kind of offensive-minded. They both can run a power play. Um, so I think Kalanuk, given he's 23 and similar to Zamula, he probably would have been one of the closest competitors in terms of making that jump to the Flyers next. Say the Flyers have an opening on defense and they need a prospect to come up. 
Uh, I think Kalanick would have been right there with him um, in terms of bidding for that spot. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. So I like that pick. For me, I'll say Wyatt Wiley uh, in the sense that I think Zamula is a step ahead of Wyatt Kalanick um, in terms of just NHL potential. I'll say that. I think Kalanick, his potential or his ceiling is not as high, whereas Zamula is already really impressive and could probably get even better. So I'll say I think Zamula is a little step ahead of him. Wyatt Wiley, I think, is a guy comes out of the WHL. He played at the, with the Everett Silvertips, the same junior club as Carter Hart. Um, and I think he has kind of the same potential as Wyatt Kalanick. I think they're on that same level in terms of pro ceiling. Uh, so I think they would have been kind of on par with each other and kind of competing with each other in Lehigh Valley if they were both going to be there. Um, so for him, I think it's the biggest plus because it's just one less guy to worry about. Um, Wyatt Wiley, if anything, is going to get more playing time with the Phantoms. He'll get a bigger role. Um, and he won't have a guy right next to him that's probably trying to compete and jump to the Flyers. Whereas Zamula, I think, was a little ahead of, of those two. But I really like both picks. And like we say, Katie, uh, we always say it. Depth on the blue line is a good problem to have. Uh, the Flyers have it already going into this tournament. 2014 oh, yeah. tournament to get closer. Uh, and they have it through the farm as well. Yeah, Jordan, something to just remember. I mean, throughout this season, we've been looking through this stat just with the, the success a defensive group has been able to have points-wise. And looking at the numbers still, I know this is the regular season, but they're ninth in the league for scoring among defensemen. They had 155 combined points, right above the Capitals, above the Bruins in that matter, too. The Rangers, of course, all the way at the top with 183. But being top 10 in the league for your points among defensemen, like that's a complete turnaround from what we, we've been uh, seeing from the Flyers in the years past. This was, again, and I know I'm turning it from the prospects into current, but it is something to just remember, like what you already have. You're not depending on a player even like Kalanuk to come in and change it around. Like we're bummed, yeah, but we're not like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? I mean, it would have just been a cherry on top to continue to add to the depth that you did just mention. Um, but you have to be happy with the, the pieces of the puzzle you already have. And we're, again, you would hope to see injuries not getting in the way of that and the success continue as far as, you know, what Provorov has been able to bring, what Niskanen has been able to bring, like who's going to be back next season and, and all of that combined. But what you've been already able to see from this group, you, you really have to be, you know, as Keith Jones would say, you have to tip your, your hockey helmet to the coaching staff and even to the scouting staff that's been able to set things up to just keep it coming and keep the success coming for the blue liners. But it is fun to look at those uh, numbers and where they end up uh, lining up in the league. It truly is uh, amazing on what this group has really done in this season. Yeah, Katie, uh, to be brutally honest, just like you said, I, does it sting a little bit that the Flyers lost Wyatt Kalanuk? Sure. But I don't think their front office or staff are going to be kind of like curling up in a ball and crying about it for days on days. Like <laughs> they, they realize uh, they have a lot of great depth uh, at that position uh, and, and that's a credit to them. And like you said, Wyatt Kalanuk is a very offensive minded defenseman. His potential is scoring. He can score. Uh, he likes to get up the ice and make plays. I don't think the Flyers are really going to be lacking that in the years to come just for the, the options that you said. Like Philip Myers is a six foot five guy that can move. He's going to be a guy that can score. Travis Sanheim is already a guy that can score. Ivan Provorov can score. Shane Gossespierre is under contract and is a guy that has a track record of scoring. And then you add Cam York and Zamula to the picture. 
I don't really don't think they're going to be lacking offense from the blue line. And that's what Kalinuk would have been offering you. So again, yeah, it's things to lose a prospect, especially a guy that's a seven round pick who turned into something. Um, but you, you tip your hat to him and say, good for you. Good luck with everything in Chicago. Uh, and you move forward. So um, and again, we're looking forward to seeing those defensemen during this 2014 tournament. Katie, come next week when we next, when we next talk, uh, we're hoping to see NHL teams in training camp. Uh, and that's going to be pretty darn exciting to see teams in full with coaches. They're going to be practicing and we're going to be thinking about games. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you next time. I agree too. And you know what? Like you, you can only smile at seeing these uh, social distance celebrations on the ice or the social distance bench situations, how they're sitting. I don't care whatever it takes. It's going to look different, but if hockey's back, that is all we care about. But before we go, Jordan, I, I just had one thing that I would believe you agree with me too on this. We love talking hockey. We love sports. We love this action. We love covering it at our job, but we also love living. We love being a human. And, you know, on this note, when we finish today, I have to just give a shout out to Oscar Lindblom. Like, this yeah. is such an amazing story with this player. The, the, you know, absolute positivity out of what we've seen from him. Jordan, when I came into, you would mention to me, like, oh, this is what this player's like. This is what this player, mostly all, all good things for the most part. Mm-hmm. Oscar Lindblom was always a player. I, I heard you mention, I heard other members of the media mention, such a well-spoken guy, so respectable to the people he works with. Um, this is, it, it's so uplifting to see. Like, if you think you're having a bad day, you see a quote from Oscar Lindblom saying, you know what, I just, I'm happy. I want my life to get back to normal, but I know other people have it worse than me. Seeing quotes like that from a player from a human. Um, he is truly an inspiration. Um, at his young age, I feel just an inspiration to so many. And seeing him ring that bell, I have to give a huge shout out. Congratulations to Oscar Lindblom um, and just his family, his girlfriend, everyone who's been there by his side. And of course, his teammates too. It is truly just such a great thing to see during a time like this that we're in. Katie, I seriously love that. What a great way to end it. And seriously, just what, what an amazing story. Like you said, Katie, he's such a good human being. 23-year-old, just a nice, soft-spoken uh, kid from Sweden. Uh, even that video when he, after he rung his bell, um, he had a gift for all his medical workers that helped him through this. And you could tell his nurses there that, that, that all had you know, been there with him throughout all this. You could hear them say, Oscar, you've been such a pleasure to work with. Like, you've been great. Then they asked, for, like, would you mind taking a picture? And he said, oh, of course. Like, that's just the type of person he is. Like, um, thinking of others during his fight. Um, but what an amazing story. And it's just so cool to see just six and a half months since his diagnosis, he's ringing that bell. Uh, just absolutely awesome. And to hear him talk, like you said, Katie, about just being happy to live his life and, and, and feel normal again. Uh, I hope he gets that. I know he will have that. And I know it's his birthday in August. I believe it's August 15th. Um, I hope he has an amazing time celebrating his birthday with family and loved ones. Uh, he deserves that. Um, great to see from Oscar Lindblom. Uh, and Katie, what a great way to sign off. And we hope to uh, see more of him during this time as we gear up for a resumption of play. Um, we hope he's able to be in, in communication with the Flyers, be around his teammates safely, um, and hopefully just kind of, you know, feeling the vibe of being with the team again. I think that's going to be really cool for him. Uh, but for, for us, That is all we have on this latest Flyers Talk podcast. Uh, We will have more coming for you next week. As always, thanks for listening. Katie Ammer, as always, thank you. Thank you, Ben Barry, our podcast producer. Wherever you get your Flyers Talk podcast, uh, please rate, subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.